Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Edge with Andrew Gold. It won't have escaped your attention that we've just coronated. I want to say coronated. I suppose crowned coronation must come from corona, as in the, I suppose that's Latin. I know it's Spanish for the, the crown. Um, and I, I don't think we coronate. That sounds like cooking. But King Charles III was coronated in this coronation. And I spoke to Dr. Tessa Dunlop, a very divisive character. We have a bit of a debate. She's a a friend of mine because we share an agent and we get into all sorts of friendly arguments. Um, And it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, Some people kick off on on YouTube because I've released this on YouTube as well. And people are going, I don't agree with her. And it's like, well, that's the point. We're having a debate. You're not supposed to agree with her. We're having a debate back and forward. Some people find her a lot of fun and, and that she talks a lot of sense, actually, and that I'm the idiot obsessed with Meghan and uh, and the royals and all these things. I don't know. It's up to you what you think. And you can let me know and you can shout at me on Twitter and Instagram. You can support the podcast on patreon.com slash Andrew Gold. And you can get Tessa's book, which is called Elizabeth and Philip, A Story of Young Love, Marriage and Monarchy, goes into Elizabeth and Philip and their story of young love, marriage and monarchy. Uh, she's a great writer and I think you would definitely enjoy that. It's a great present to get for people as well. So get hold of that on Amazon, Elizabeth and Philip that is, and follow Tessa on Twitter as well. Um, big episodes coming up. That's become my catch phrase and they are going to be a little bit different from you know Royals and Scientology while also sometimes doing those things. Uh, I won't go into all of it now, but some really interesting different kinds of episodes coming up. But now you're on the edge of a coronated king with Dr. Tessa Dunlop. We're in live. There's Dr. Tessa Dunlop. She's got a mad head thing on her head. Tessa, tell me just quickly before we get into everything else, I want to know this. How might, might Meghan Markle potentially spoil the coronation that is coming up on Monday of King Charles III? No, for goodness sake. Leave the quasi-duchess on our own. She's in Montecito. Didn't you know? Four-year-old bursty parties are so enthralling. I mean, I would want to be there, wouldn't you? I mean, how many four-year-old bursty parties have you been to? I've actually got two children, both of whom have passed the four-year-old gateway to heaven or hell, depending on your take. And I can confirm I don't remember either of those events, but Mebbins is going to be memorable. The question is, will there be a post, a picture, something to gently, in a sort of, you know, beige, glittering, tasteful, downplayed Montecito tone, be released to outflank the king tomorrow. I have my doubts. I don't think anything will be released until Harry returns to Californian soil. That's my hunch. And apparently I've heard he's going on that day. He's got to like go back on the day. Have you heard that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing a remarkable thing, which is actually overnighting in Britain tonight. Where are you, Has? How are you, Has? Um, I think he's at some little gathering in Buck Pal tonight, which is quite brave. I mean, given what he said, given, given the tension... Given just how intimidating and bulwark-like our British establishment can be, and I know because I come up against them all the time. Tonight, I've just been hanging out with the Lord. My yeah. goodness. You're part of it, Tessa. I'm not part of it. I'm not part of it. <laughs> I'm not. He used, I know you don't like this word, but he used several sexist tropes. He was rude to me. It was the most unpleasant experience. I wouldn't Wait, who? It. Anyway, d- I'll come back to that. Moving on to Harry, who's with more than a Lord. He's with a king. Is he with a king? I need to check. We need to check our feeds to see. And then maybe somebody listening can tell us um, exactly where Harry is, if they got him on GPS. But um, after he's done the pop-in at the coronation, squeezing along with all the commoners, because remember, one-fifth of the Abbey is commoner tomorrow, um, he's going to pop home again. It's called a pop-over. Elizabeth and Philip did one um, to America in 1952, and now Harry is doing one back to his country of birth. He's popping over to grace us with his presence. But I spoke, I'm going to name drop here, to TMZ. You heard of them? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's young people. Although it was, now it probably isn't young people. It's probably my age people. Well, and I did a bit of a prima donna thing because I said I'd speak to them for no money. I very rarely mm. do that, Andrew. You know, I'm super expensive. Just for me. That's how I afford my jewels. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they didn't mention my book either end of the interview. So I literally down the line to LA, tis was. I had a tis was, a test tis was. And uh, they re-recorded the top. 
with a little mention oh, of Elizabeth oh, wow. because well, it's the- out in America. It's amazing. You get what you ask for. And that's why I like Megan, by the way. I know I'm pointing, and I know she's a self-publicist, and I know she's done untold damage to a British institution that many of us hold dear. My God, she gets what she wants, doesn't she, that girl? And you only get what you she, want to push for it. She didn't, want, she didn't want the reputation that she now has. And I, there's a lot of talk of her, like, okay, the money, but she had the money before, right? And she wanted the reputation. And I'm told that she's now, you know, I read the Spectator articles you read about that, that one by, by a, a, a woman. Spectator. Yeah, yeah. I was, I let me guess. The woman who used to be the lover of Boris Johnson, that woman. What is her name? She's got a ridiculous name. It was Cara Kennedy. Is, she, is that no, her? No, there's another woman with a ridiculous name that begins with Peep. Um, I can't remember, that writes articles about Megan. None of them have a clue right. about Megan. It's tragic. Well, They're all feeding off an imaginary carcass. Leave her alone. The point is, you say she was rich. There's rich and rich. She's way richer than she ever was before, Andrew. And you know it. She's richer being a wild street. Yeah, well, I do know it. And how does she get, how does she get rich, Tessa? Like, explo- you know, exploiting the royal exploiting family? Exploiting or simply buying into the brand and giving it. And what was really interesting about this interview with TMZ, did I mention that already, um, was that they were like, your ugly, your ugly royal family, where are the sexy people gone? There aren't any. There used to be Diana, even Fergie in the 80s. There was Elizabeth and Philip in the 50s. They were even then. Or Megan. Oh, then, then there was Megan, but she's left. We don't have anyone sexy. That was their line. That was their line to me, down the line from LA. It was like, don't shoot the messenger. I mean, if only William had married me, but sadly he didn't. So what can I say? Well, Kate's not unattractive. She's not sexy. And are we allowed to objectify the future? Queen? People found her very sexy. Did they? Um, is, well, William used to be sexy as well. Yeah, William was hot when he had hair. But William doesn't have hair anymore. They're now a middle-aged couple. I'm yeah. like, you would think the money that he's got, you would think they would invest in some hair plugs and late. things now. And if you watch Harry's hairline, I'm sure I've said this to you before, it will not creep back any further. Meghan will make sure of that. You wait. We're not going to see Harry any balder than he is today. You can measure the follicles almost. Just take a few screenshots and check in on it next year and the year after. And he might want to you know, go down to Ladbrokes and, and get a buck on this because Meghan is going to be across that in Hollywood. Where it happened for William too late. He's too old school. He's the sort of person that goes, I'm not going to do that nonsense. I'm not going to do that nonsense. You know, um, like, so poor old Willie's bald. I mean, it's genetic, isn't it? Oh, I met a friend who met Charles today. She's not really a friend, sort of journalist. She yeah. said he looked so Hanoverian. Hanoverian? Errol. As in from Hanover? German. Yeah, right. as in German. Well, Sorry, as in German. In- yeah, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that, is there, necessarily? But tell me this, well, so what, what, well, what is the reason, let's go back over this, what is the reason that Meghan is not going to the coronation in the first place? It can't really be a four-year-old four birthday. Um, well, this is what's interesting about the take in America when I spoke to the TMZ lot, where they were like, um, they, she scuppered it for them. Like, instead of having billions of viewers, you've got millions. And actually, it's true that not all the press positions have been taken up by the international cameras. So there hasn't been the uptake of interest that there was, say, for the Queen's funeral. When, don't forget, alongside the Queen's funeral, we also had the Meghan and Harry show. Now, people like Piers Morgan say they find that distasteful. I just don't believe they do. I refuse to believe they find that distasteful. By the way, it's really hard to make a serious point with this on your head. I refuse to believe that they find it. I think everyone's disappointed, secretly disappointed, with perhaps the exception of some of the courtiers who would have just found it too galling to have to bow down and scrape. But I, it's a loss. It's a branding loss. She's a woman of color and I don't care if she cried wolf, if it couldn't be stacked up, her claims about racism, any of that. The point is, symbolically, I can't find that bit of hair. Where is it there? Symbolically, it was crucial that the fallout from them not coping with the royal strain and stress was, was contained. And the royal family managed to do the total opposite. They just went, if you go into the sunset, they did the old model because the old model was born with the queen and they didn't realize that things had changed. And we handled it so badly. And I'm sorry to go on a rant here. Am I ranting? Will I stop talking now? No, no, I think it's fine. I, I think you're making a good point. But the, the issue is, and I think we've spoken about this before, the issue for the royal family is that if they do modernise and they act in modern ways, well, the most modern thing they could probably do is abolish themselves. And, and that's not me saying they should abolish themselves. I'm not pro or anti-monarchy before anyone jumps on me about that. I'm just saying that that would be a very modern thing to do, would it not? Yeah, of course. I mean, that is the ultimate contradiction. The idea of a modernized royal family that's premised on the hereditary principle is oxymoronic, paradoxical, and thus impossible. So we're stuck with this very old-fashioned model, which we seem to love. But what I really struggle with, and I was in Times Radio tonight, owned by Rupert Murdoch, and when I was there, up on all the screens, you could see the other television 
camera, uh, t- television screens, all the different rolling newses. So there was the BBC, Sky, BBC, Sky, Talk TV, and one other. And all of them were doing this kind of unctuous, wall-to-wall coronation, monotone. Let's talk about a bit of recycled furniture. Let's talk about, you know, some marching soldiers. And it's like we go into this weird, reverential mindset, fallback. And I don't know how healthy it is for our democracy. And I don't know how healthy it is in terms of engendering or helping to engage a broader base for royal support because I think a lot of young people are just thoroughly turned off by the kind of obsequious nature of the way in which we cover the royals. There's occasionally a token interview about slavery, which is slightly off point, to be honest, because I think it's unfair the way we channel all the blame for slavery on the royal family. Like, well, okay, America had slavery on their own soil till the civil wars and, and, and France had slavery and, and long after us until 1848. Well, who do we pin that on? Macron. You know, so in a, in a weird way, our royal family are this whipping boy. And therefore, we have these debates that I don't think necessarily are, should, should fall entirely on their laps. Uh, and what we avoid is just how do we improve the optics around them? How do we help them improve themselves? The kind of really basic stuff. How do we help Charles be a better leader to 14 other states? How do we make sure that on the eve of the coronation, the 12 composers who have composed the music aren't all British, because guess what? They're all British. How would that make you feel if you were Canadian, Australian, Jamaican from Papua New Guinea? I don't know where. You know, it's just some really obvious ball drops that nobody's talking about. Mm. Yeah, that, those things, I think you're right there, because like I said, I don't think there's that much that they can do to modernise, because I think they need to, I think you, you have to, if you're the royal family, you have to aim for the sort of older, maybe conservative, a bit more, well, you know, monarchist uh, vote or whatever. If you start aiming for like the woke vote, you're just going to, you're going to you know yeah. collapse but there are some easy goals open goals like you say which they should you know be hitting really easy like, like you know your and i know you we find trope uh, tropes difficult and woke difficult and a, a lot of the sort of tub something and virtue signaling but some of it you just got to do so that you don't end up getting tripped up like improve the numbers of people from diverse communities in your household at the moment it's less than 10% in buckingham palace like how difficult is that? How difficult is that? In my yeah, house, minorities in the UK people- are less about ten percent, less than ten percent anyway. Why shouldn't it reflect no. the country? No, it's well over thirteen, and we're in we're in London in Buckingham Palace, where forty four percent of the population is minority ethnic. Forty four percent. I mean, <laughs> if they're if they're like half, well, by, they by are. six percent, still a minority, Andrew, and that's not counting Jewish people. Then it would be five percent. They are, Andrew. <laughs> then it would be five five percent under the fifty. Is, but the, but yeah, the point being saying, is today, but the, you get but, what but, I'm but, saying. Yeah, yeah, but have it. But then you could also then argue like, oh, look at them. All the people working for them are mixed race, and uh, you know, you could still poke them with the same stick. It's a different stick, and he's still be a di- it would be moved along a bit. No, most of us would like to be in the household. It's quite a classy job to be in the royal household. I'm not talking about doing their cleaning. Although that too, I'm sure that is done. I'm talking about being a member of the household. I see. So I don't know the differences. No, well, you need to, but before you do these podcasts, I'm complaining. Can I make an official complaint to your management team? No. Like that would just you in another room later on. Yeah, <laughs> How I'll do you have complain to, do, to Andrew Gold? I need to do my, my research and get my researchers to know exactly that, that Tess is going to talk about the, the household of the Buckingham Palace. Look, yeah. here's the thing. What do you do? That's, but that's why Meghan had an issue. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. I've just been in a room with a lord and two kind of establishment players. And I felt a bit bruised. And I'm somebody who's been reared in the Petri dish of great British nonsense. Meghan comes in with her sharp, ambitious elbows from Hollywood. Mixed race, gorgeous, pretentious, Californian. Come on, they're super high maintenance. And of course, feels broken by this old, pretty ugly system. I mean, are we surprised? The reason why we bang on and on about it is because we're actually a bit hurt. It's like we've been caught with our pants down. We've been made to seem a bit uncool. And I know she's a bit ridiculous, but somewhere in the middle is the answer. Somewhere Mm. between royal family and Meghan Californian Markle is the answer. And I would like to I understand that. But I feel like the royal family is sort of, it is what it is. I mean, I think it's a bit cultish. We've talked about that before. And it's not going to suddenly change the entire institution for one woman, particularly a woman who's not even married a future king. He's, he's just, you know, the spare, as, so to speak, if in, to take his own words. She's come in. She didn't want to do the duties. As simple as that. Kate did them. 
Can we go to your Can we go to your comments? I'm getting loads of hate. I'm an arrogant. Oh, well, don't worry about that. That's because people well, don't don't look. Stop looking there. Put your eyes away from there because you're no, not going to no. be able to go on. People oh, say some people say woman. nice things about Tessa. Do right, they? Some no, I don't say, need them to say nice. No, I'm telling them. I'm commanding. No, so everybody, Tessa, Tessa, and I share an agent, and we have been long friends. So we can we can uh, have a bit of a back and forth, I think, and it can remain uh, I've, friendly. Um, uh, yeah. No, but I did come on a little bit grumpy tonight. I was quite bruised. I had a live nosebleed on air on Jeremy Vine, literally blood gushed mm. out. I've got um, I'm on crutches. I've got uh, I'm on crutches, yeah. and that is uh, you realise how ableist society is, actually, including our royal yeah. family, by the way. And um and I and I did come in with a bit of a hump on. I, I could see from Meghan Markle's point hump of view as well. what, how she felt as an outsider. No, a bit of a hump, you know, when you've got a bit of a when you're a bit of a humpy mood. Can Sorry, you not say that? Tess. Right. No, I know, but I was pretending mm. I thought as well as your ankle break and nosebleed, you had you now had a hump. Um I don't so know. it's just an additional thing you have to put up with in this this ableist uh, society that does not help yes. hunchbacks of yeah. Tessa Dunlop. Look <laughs> I, I, look, everything you're saying is right, and there are definitely. It must be difficult in in certain respects for you to go on these shows, and they are quite bruising encounters with difficult people and all this stuff. Megan is a different story. We're talking about a Hollywood actress who grew up in Hollywood, in and around all these celebrities and things, and then has gone over and married a prince, lived the high life, and then not stopped moaning to all of us. I'm sorry, Tessa, you wouldn't be moaning about your life as much if you had millions of dollars for sitting around on your bottom Actually, doing nothing. Actually, I don't moan that much. It's only because I know you and I, f I feel it quite familiar to me that I... <laughs> you do. But, but, but would you, if you did, I'll tell you what, I put up I with it when you call, call me up moaning about stuff, right? But if you called Henry me up calls moaning... Me moaning and, too. and you had, <laughs> and you had a, a, you know, what, $100 million for a documentary <laughs> talking about nothing, then I'd go, hang on, Tess, I'm not interested. And that's why people are pissed off with Meghan Markle. So us two are allowed to moan because we haven't. We're not successful. You mean as soon as we're successful, Andrew, we can. We're not allowed to moan anymore. I, well, speak for yourself. My issue. Oh, I forgot you're really successful these days. So I must subscribe <laughs> to add to that. What was it? One hundred and forty thousand subscribers. One hundred and forty-five. Anyway, one hundred and forty. Um, but where? Yeah. Uh, where were we? Um, uh, mm. Andrew competing. With I, Megan. I was saying why, should, why think, people. We, we were disagreeing listen, about why why we dislike Megan. I think. Well, oh, sorry. Why I there's a problem with Megan? Go on. I think the monarchy is uniquely British, as we've ascertained. None of the rest really have hung around. Um, and it is, it's a bit like when somebody attacks your siblings. I can leather hell out of my siblings, but if somebody goes for them, then that's not allowed. It was like TMZ. They started going for my royal family. I found, you know, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm going to support the royal family. Don't you swear? And not sexy. Yeah. What do you mean? Not sexy. You know, I'm going to stand up for them. Suddenly I'm trying to pretend that Tramilla's sexy, you know, just because I'm in, talking to an American audience. And I think that was one of the issues is that how dare this woman, this foreign woman, because I think that was a much bigger part of it, her culture and the country she came from than her race was, to be honest with you. Um, and I think the two became conflated. I think there was a big cultural gap. And the issue is, I think some of the concerns they raised, some of them were valid, but the way in which they raised them was hypocritical and unfortunate and over-emotional. It would have done for them to have waited a while. I mean, I don't think, I think Harry's clearly still in therapy and I never think it's a good idea to kind of release your emotional bombs or your creative art, as you could call his book, et cetera, when you're in the middle of therapy. I, I think that's something he may live to regret, but, but we'll know further down the line. I do think, and this is where it's become so polarized, the debate, there is a halfway stage post between... Um, what they said and the model of the royal family. And because you either support yeah. Harry and Meghan or you support the royal family, you're either Piers Morgan and Sarah Vine or you're uh, Omid Scobie or somebody under 20 on TikTok. The two sides are just yelling in their own echo chambers. And I try and I write in the paperback my foreword of my, do you know, my publisher didn't update the Kindler version of my paperback. And it was only when I bought it myself because someone complained. The new bit that I've written that's now been updated on the Kindle. Um, is all about this. How can our royal family be this impartial glue, this national glue that puts up, helps us on the global stage if we've dragged the story, including Harry and Meghan, into this dog whistle terrain? And I think we've, we've got over-emotional in our response to Meghan. She's just one girl. You know, she's a flawed messenger. But I think some of the points she had to make, we have to listen to. 
And I don't know why I we think, find that so hard. And I think it's because she's too pretty and, and too, too, too foreign. I think, I think there's obviously some of that. And this is what I've tried to say time and time again, whenever I've criticized Meghan and Harry, is that these people are not like, a hundred percent bad nobody is very few people in the world are. i mean there are some like dictators and things these are not dictators who do hot you know they're people who i think are absolute narcissists and i think you said before as well they grew up well harry grew up in a weird fishbowl of a of a life and everything you know but w- what's what's getting missed sometimes i think uh or, or is under the surface is really what's happening i think is a debate between sort of the what we would call the woke and the not woke and what some people's opinions of that whole woke thing is and they see megan as the archetype of it which is this sort of super rich private jet setting person um telling everybody else how difficult her life is south park hit the nail on the head with the victim thing so i think it's not really that much about i mean i know your life isn't yours yours your, you know a lot about the royals and the history and it, there's a big part of it as well but i think a huge part of it is like it's a celebrity who's just come at exactly the right moment, and that's what it is, you know? You're right. This is about woke and non-woke, but that is hugely dangerous. And what I can't understand is when people like Piers Morgan and Tom Bowers don't realise how dangerous it is to decry the other side, Harry and Meghan, because that immediately means that you're mobilising the royal family or you're claiming them to your own hard right side of the argument. And as soon as you do that, how then is monarchy impartial? It isn't. And if monarchy isn't impartial, where's its value? And I actually think the irony of it all is, while TMZ may not think that Charles is sexy enough for them, he is, I think, pretty liberal. I mean, we know that he was talking about the sacred and chatting away to plants long before it was ever trendy to do things like that. And yet he's sort of been hijacked, if you like, by the right-wing press, by the establishment press. And that immediately turns off 50% of the population. And if you look at the polling, I was on Times Radio tonight and I said, I think it's a bit reverential what what we're saying in in the ad break. I said, I think we should have a chat about some of the polling around this. And he said, no, we're not. We're we're not to do that. We're not to do that. Why? So I came home and did a podcast with you. Got slagged off on on this feed. (laughs) It's a complicated one because... Well, you know, so I, I feel like what you're saying is it's dangerous to to, ha- to to have a go at them for being woke or whatever it might be because that then puts the royal family. But that's not fair because I'm not a royalist and people do often when they're, uh, and believe me, a lot of people get very angry I at am. me. By the way, for, I am. Well, there, I am. Yeah. There you go. Isn't that, it's, there's the irony in it, isn't it? That you are more of yeah. a royalist than I am. Not that I'm anti-royal, yeah. but people then have a go at me when I have a go at Meghan. They go, oh, right. what about Prince Andrew? What about, oh, and you think Charles is it? And all that. And I go, yeah, they're also human beings. They're also culpable and they have their own problems. It doesn't mean I can't, why? It's got to become so tribal, doesn't it? Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. 
To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. I really care. I care about the royal family. I don't want to be voting in some old sock of a president who's failed in some political guise years earlier that nobody ever cares about. I like that the tiara speaks down the centuries. I actually think it's quite healthy. I was talking to um, a doctor of black history yesterday, having a right set to with him, where he sort of thinks we should all have reparations and abolish monarchy and that it's about white supremacy. And I said, well, weirdly, you know, we have these debates at the Cullinan diamond and the Cohenor diamond that can't be on display and, you know, everything else that's associated with monarchy that is complex. And actually, by having that continuous line and all those artifacts and the very family, okay, the lineage broke up a few times. So you can't even say that Charles is a direct descendant of a slave's, you know, um, dude. King, whatever, you know, that, that, there was, that was the Stuarts. Then you have the Hanoverians. Then you have, you know, 15 generations away and in two different dynasties. So it's hugely tenuous, um, the link with Hina's slavery. But um, our, what I think is healthy is that it makes us confront our past. So the royal family and all the tracking and the, the pomp and the, and the stuff that goes with it is a reminder both of our failures and our successes. So on the one hand, you know, we can think of the picture of the Queen on the balcony at the end of 1945 and think this is our high point, Britain stood alone, or the coronation 70 years ago, a reminder of how we, you know, we had won in the Second World War, we, we fought on the right side, etc. But at the same time, it's also a reminder, the Kohenor diamond of the imperial legacies, the complexities, uh, 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 and yes, that we enslaved and trafficked more human beings across the Atlantic than almost any other nation. Of course, you could get off your time machine and say, yeah, and also it was a king who outlawed slavery quicker than, say, France and America. So, so this is a moving feast. And it reminds us that I think there are family serves to remind us that it, we're in continual motion and we can't guarantee that it will always get better. Progress doesn't always happen. You know, there's been, we've fallen back and we've moved forward again. And I think that in that they have a value. Yeah. It's, do you think part of the issue then? switched off now. No, I think they're very interested. But this is, this is part of the issue, I think, sometimes, because we talked about how tribal this can become. It's like you're Megan or the royal family. And maybe because you're sort of, I mean, you're a historian, so you're looking at both sides and you're saying, well, hang on, what about this? What about that? And people don't like fence sitters, do they? Even if that's the most nuanced view, it's not, it doesn't no. win you points. Well, it, it, it doesn't play well for me ever. And no. I find when I go on these right-wing channels, and I name, uh, I do name Piers Morgan and, and Dan Wigner in my book, I go on these right-wing channels and they go, they introduce me as, you are a Sussex supporter. Hmm. I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, you know me, Andrew. Have I ever said to you, I'm a Sussex supporter? I've got Matt, yeah. Harry and Meghan on There's my There's that t-shirt you have I, of Meghan that you wear sometimes. <laughs> She's <laughs> jealous. Oh, can I just tell you, this tiara made by my neighbor, who is a props and wardrobe, Philippa Island, you're going to put her link at the bottom uh, of this feed, sure. aren't you? And yes. she makes the costume jewelry for Fergie. Former Duchess of York. Oh, that's cool. So I there you know, go. No, that's quite cool. Right. Let's get uh, on to the, the most divisive smashed. issue. Oh, right. The earrings, the, the earrings yeah. I mean. Let's get on to the earrings. But Just let's get on to the divisive. Man. I want to be divisive. Wait, Shut up. comment if they like the earrings. Just someone. <laughs> right. Comment if you like Tell the earrings. Like. Right, make a nice comment. Um, and, we'll put Ireland. Okay. I'll put it on my right. Instagram. You put it there. Right. So, Megan, right? There's been a, well, they're calling it a Meganaissance. Have you heard of this? What's she going to do next? I think this is a question. Um, and in fact, I was listening to Tina Brown, who you'll know is the, wrote the Palace Papers, you know, big comment, commentariat across on the other side of the Atlantic. And she's like, oh, you know, they kind of fizzled out. The consensus is where are they going to go next? 
I think that's to underestimate Meghan. And I think one of the reasons she's not come to the coronation is to remind us all that without her, um, the narrative is weaker. Um, and in fact, Harry is much less interesting without her. They are a classic case of a couple who are greater than the sum of their parts together and together inside the royal pen, briefly, it is where they really um, are a, a sub, a fascinating. They're absolutely fascinating. So I, I think that we underestimate um, her capacity for reinvention. I think we underestimate her intelligence. I think she's quite intelligent. I'm not sure Harry is, I'm going to be honest. Um, and I also think that we underestimate the appetite for what they deliver, what they provide. Whether you love them or loathe them, they um, are a vehicle for so much else. The sort of Ryan, I mean, talked to Trevor Phillips about this. You know, he headed up race relations in Britain, OBE, you know, establishment, beyond establishment, and also black. And he called them the Japanese knotweed of British journalism. And not, um, just, and not just British journalists. What, what do you mean? What does that mean? Just that it takes over because it, it speaks to us on I so see. many different levels. It, 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 think how traditional, think how the, the royal family and how profoundly rocked it was by the entry of this pretty innocuous, relatively unknown American actress. Well, I all mean, she had to do, though, all she had to do was get, because they are such a secretive family you don't usually get that although over the years there have been the interviews with charles and diana and things like that but whenever that happens please do whenever that happens they get completely rocked you know so all it takes is somebody in there to just be untrustworthy and in this case i'm not i'm not even accusing megan i mean megan might have been the lady macbeth here harry. but it was harry what, what's he done i just can't believe that people have a go at me sometimes going oh you just want to get likes and clicks and money from to and it's like at least well, I'm not do. doing it to my. Do. I'm not doing it to my own family though. You won't see me writing a book about my brother or my my dad or or my dad in his underwear doing handstands. I can't believe what what he did is mad. I don't. I don't know. Funnily enough, I wrote a book about my husband and it, it really nearly ended my marriage and I really wouldn't recommend it. So I what did you say about goodness. him? What was Doesn't the worst thing you said? On, but no, what was the worst nothing. thing? Nothing. He just he does nothing. But he didn't want me to write it. And I was out of work and I'd lost my job and we'd just yeah. gone through a big financial crisis of our own. And I thought, well, it, you know, we're, we're team us, team us, it won't matter. And it, and it mattered. But weirdly, I thought it mattered less if they're your family because they're kind of with you. They're part of you. They, they, yeah, but they Harry had left. You. you didn't leave him and then yeah, write it. Really, that would be a different thing. True. No, no, we're bound together like lichen on a tree, tree and lichen. Yeah. But I tell yeah. you what, Having a fractured ankle isn't just sharing with the team. Having a fractured ankle is really not good for a marriage because oh. he has to do everything. Well, because I can't ah. walk. Yeah. I have a four-year-old. And a 10-story 10, 10 house. <laughs> yeah, it's all, um, it's all stairs and no action in my house. Have you had the lift installed in the west wing of your house, Tiara, Tess? Yeah. Can I say that on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He's you say come what you before Andrew's uh, videos went viral, he was, he is, how many years younger than me are you? I'm so much older than you. How old are you? I am, I'm 15 years young. <laughs> do you want to know how old I am? Or do you want to know how many years? Because I don't want to have to reveal your age inadvertently because I know some people don't I'm, like that. I'm nearly 49. I'm nearly 49. Yeah. And I'm you 34. are. Right. So he comes to my house, which is a tiny little pokey house that I could only build up because they don't let you build out. And he has such house envy because he's, you know, he's not making money. And now that he's going viral, oh, yeah. dear me. Yeah. Once he gets this palace, ladies and gentlemen, I did yeah, say yeah, to yeah. him, Andrew, Andrew, you might too have a staircase in 15 years time. I am 15 <laughs> years older than you. And I understand that. But there's the same mentality that unhooked yeah. Harry and Meghan because they wanted to go too fast inside yeah. the, and in the royal family. You wait your turn. You'll get that double staircase in Kensington Palace when you've done Absolutely. 10 years of being nice to Kate. You know, that's the truth. I, I, yeah. I, and it was you. You're, you're a bit like Megan, actually. You're very ambitious. Sure. <laughs> say, yeah, you, you are. But I think it's one of the reasons you've got an issue with her. There yeah. you are. It's not me. You know, you cook up a different Harry narrative every night of the week. You know, you don't just yeah. stick with one Harry. She's just how got many, the one Harry. I wonder how many, how many books they'll have and, to sell before they have a five-story house in central London, Tess, before they have that. Because maybe Harry and... If they're ambitious enough... They could be your neighbours one day. No, Harry deflected away from himself there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, of course, you they've been kicked first. out of Frogmore. Where is Harry spending the night? Can somebody put it on the I comments? I would like to know where he is. And let's get um, back on to the subject where? at hand. No, because people are talking about Where's the mega-naissance because she's got her hair changed and all things like that. You've talked... Right. Oh, wait, I haven't asked a question yet. Let me, let me ask a question. Okay. So, wait, you... 
Oh, here's a question, actually. Harry's got four books in his deal. He's got a four-book deal. He's done one that told us all about his life and everything. What are the other three going to be about? Um, what are the other three? Well, they're going to Africa. They've got the Netflix series. In fact, I know a very good um, director who directs for Netflix who has tapped up um, as to whether she would like to direct their, I think, what's it going to be? It's about leadership and inspiration or something. I can't remember whether she would like to direct them in Africa. And she said they knew, i.e. the production company knew, and Harriet also knew that it couldn't be all woke, that they'd have to give something of themselves. She didn't get the job, incidentally. Um, but So that's, that's definitely happening. It's already underway, and they're, and they're casting and recruiting. And the thing was that they're aware that they can't just kind of, you know, trundle out the same old nonsense. Oh, my word. It's going to be so boring, though, because that's the thing, the same old nonsense, but it is... We need to know about them, but I don't believe a single thing they say. There have been so many lies, haven't there, with Megan over, over the... I know you've got to give both sides, but she's lied a lot. Of, a lot of stuff's been found out, hasn't it? I think what she did was... It, it's really easy. I thought was sort of the miscarriage case was the one that really spoke to me, where she was a woman in pain on several levels. She was quite old to be trying to have a second child. I know I've been there. Um, she had a miscarriage. They're always unpleasant. Um, she was going through a court case. I've also been through a court case. So I, as I got all the pain of those different narratives and what they did was in the Harry and Meghan documentary, they conflated the two. So they were fighting, I think it was the case against the Daily Mail that they won. It was the letter to her father that she was saying it breached her privacy when she took on Associated Newspapers, which by the way, isn't for the faint-hearted. And um, the upshot of it all was that the newspaper, let me get this right, um, she, she, the, the, in that case, during that case, when it was kind of peaking, she has the miscarriage. And in the documentary, certainly Harry, I don't know about Megan, but certainly Harry pinned the blame of the miscarriage, which was in the first trimester, on the stress of the court case. Now, I know, because I know way too much about fertility, because I've tried for years to have a second child, um, that it's highly, highly unlikely that stress ever causes a miscarriage, certainly not in the first term. And it's much, much more likely if you're 40 or thereabouts that it's caused because it's, it's a dud egg because we kick out a lot of dud eggs as we get older as women. And so, I mean, it's a natural selection process. Your body rejects um, an embryo that isn't going to make the course. And that was, without them meaning for it to be, actually kind of quite unhelpful misinformation where people therefore assume, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit disingenuous because it wasn't the stress of the court case. I can see that those two unpleasant things running in tandem you know, were deeply unfortunate and they could become conflated. And I think that's what she's done with a lot of her narrative. She's experienced him and Harry. They've experienced things emotionally because he obviously experienced the, the miscarriage too in a different way. They experience emotionally and then they become truisms and their timelines get a bit muddled and it all becomes, and they feel they've clearly, they felt a bit like, oh, we're under fire from the establishment. And then they're in this punchback mode and it's become a little bit furry. As, and I know as someone who writes oral history, most of the way I make my money is writing about fascinating old women in their World War II stories before I wrote about Elizabeth Tillett. And um, they, um, the stories often become confused. That The timelines become blurred. You go back over, I'll read to the women what they've told me. I've recorded it so I know it's what they've said. And they'll say, no, 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 it didn't happen like that. So on second take, they revise what they've said. And so I, I don't find some of those sort of slips as big a deal as some of the kind of nitpicky tabloid press who are just longing to catch them out. I, I felt that was as agendered as Harry and Meghan were, to be honest. But I think, again, we're going to, without, you know, I'm, I'm risking going in circles here. Again, it's that I think the press are pissed off because we don't like hypocrites. Don't like, we don't like people coming in and taking those private jets and then going and not doing, you know, this idea of I didn't research the royal family and she didn't know who the royal family were and all this stuff. And it's like, you know what they are. We all could have gone in and married that. And also this idea that she's supposed to be this big feminist, right? But then she's just going to be a princess who marries a prince. I'm really sorry, Andrew, but it depends how well you oh, think you. something needs to be known. Um, I am sorry because I think you've been sort of got by the ghoulies on subject of, of Meghan Markle. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, when we're talking about uh, how well she knew the royal family, look at Kate Middleton. Okay, everyone talks about Kate's a commoner. Fair enough, her mum probably was with some airline hostess or something. But there was plenty of money and they used that money to make sure that their child was educated at appropriate public schools, which are like the Petri dish for making sure that you cultivate the ideal princess. You acquire accomplishments, you hang out with the right people, who if you don't end up marrying them will probably work in the royal household because as we've ascertained, they're mainly white and posh. 
and then you go on to the right university and then you've had this sort of institutionalized training all the way through. You really know the royal family, perhaps without ever having met them. You might not even really read about them because it's a bit common to read things about the royal family. One would rather belong to the royal family than to read about the royal family. And that was Kate's narrative. Now compare that to Meghan, who may have seen in the Inquirer magazine when she was young, something about Diana. You know, that's not knowing the royal family. That's not understanding the ridiculousness of the British establishment or the institutions that we seek and try so desperately hard to preserve. You can't say she knew or understood the royal family. She didn't, Andrew. She didn't. Okay. You're trying to tell, but here's, I do get your side and I get that there, you know, we do go too far with all these things and she's not the worst person in the world. But she was somebody who was known for being extremely ambitious. You say it yourself, this big Hollywood social climber. Yes. She but must why have had is that some a dirty Hang on. Why is ambition? Why do you say that as if it's a negative? You're very, you're one of the most ambitious people I know, Andrew. Why is that a bad thing? Well, I don't think ambition's a bad thing. I, I think what people don't like is ambition that is, uh, has, has a veil of victimhood. I think people don't like ambitious people who claim to be victims. When somebody goes for it, let's say Kim Kardashian, people aren't going, well, I'm sure some are, but the overall idea about Kim Kardashian is she's really ambitious. Good luck to her. Go, you go do that. Serena Williams, go do it. You do your thing. You're ambitious. You're talented, Serena Williams, probably more so than Kim Kardashian, although she's obviously got some business acumen. These are impressive, ambitious people who don't go around saying, woe is me. We're talking Meghan Markle with the ambition. And then also, imagine if Elon Musk kept saying he was a victim. You just can't, ha can't have it. So you don't like her vulnerability? or that she? Owns I don't like her faux vulnerability. You, you think it's faux? You don't think she's ever felt vulnerable? I mean, she's got oh, a totally dysfunctional well, relationship uh, with her family. She doesn't seem, to, I, I think well, she's very vulnerable. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not saying I, I necessarily particularly like her, but I am also sometimes ambitious and sometimes I play the victim, as do you sometimes, Andrew. So yeah, I, Tessa, I don't think that they're know, mutually if, exclusive. This, it wouldn't work, though. This is what I said to you at the beginning. If you were calling me up playing the victim and you were married to Prince Harry and you were getting millions and millions and millions of dollars, imagine, okay, let's turn that around. Imagine me doing that. I'm earning millions and millions and millions of dollars off the back of book deals and documentaries for sitting around on my bottom doing nothing while you are scrapping around as a brilliant historian doing all the research, all these things. And I'm going, oh, but people don't quite like me. You would say, Andrew, shut up and do your duties because you've just signed up to the royal family. What? That is where you've totally missed out on their optics. They're not comparing themselves to you or me or John Griffith in the, uh, who's worrying about the money that I'm earning. Hi there, John. Or Michelle Moore. <laughs> Don't read it. Um, or look at all this. No, I'm interested. Catherine Churchill. Please stop saying woke. That's you. Um, Al Anthea. That's my mum's name, Anthea. Anyway. That's loving um, They're not, Harry and Meghan are not comparing themselves. They're comparing themselves to William and Kate. They are never going to be successful enough and they're never going to be rich enough. They're hardwired to need to outdo the man who's destined to become the next richest man on the planet after King Charles, and that's King William. So well, they're in this insane bitter. loop of sibling rivalry. Yeah, a bit. That's the problem when you're born into a family that's not only damaged, that doesn't only see your mother moan down in a really nasty divorce, but also insists that your sibling isn't just older than you, that's annoying enough, but also it's given the big prize, the hereditary throne. And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Even if he is a bit bald and boring and you consider yourself much more charismatic. Yeah, but this, I, I, read, I read Harry's spare book and there are scenes Did in you? it. And Did I've mentioned this it? one before. Yeah, there's scenes in it. The bits, well, you seem surprised I can read. So she, there's a bit where he's in the bathroom um, smoking yeah. a bit of whatever he's smoking, right? In yeah, Eton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eaton, I should just say, looking out the window. First, he has a conversation with a fox, which he hunts and kills usually, but he's having a conversation with a fox and he thinks the fox can empathize. It was a weird moment. And then he starts pondering about like all the really lucky people out there, out the window, who don't have to live life the way he does. And there just seems to be a total lack of understanding at all of his privilege. I'm amazed that nobody's ever sat him down and said, you know, like the people in like stains and bloody what's around there, slough. They're not living like the high life. You know, you're the one jet setting. So I think that's why people are pissed off. But that's where, actually, if you look at suicide rates among really posh boys, they're really high. There's a huge amount of baked in dysfunction sending your child away to preparatory oh, school, sure. having a really yeah. ugly public divorce. I, you know, actually, these boarding schools breed in huge numbers of problems. That's to suggest mm. that just because you're privileged that you don't no. feel pain. And I think that's a ridiculous thing to say, Andrew. No, but, keep, but maybe keep it in a little bit 
right? When people are suffering with, you're absolutely right that wealthy that money does not cure everything. And I actually would, I would rather definitely be, you know, a middle class, whatever person than really? born into I'd royalty. I'd rather be me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's utterly dysfunctional growing up the way they have done. So I totally agree with that. Right. But at what point do you go, hang on, these are adults. And also he needs to realize there is a difference between having a dysfunctional family and not being able to put food on the table. Jason Taylor has said here, tell us about your book in one of the comments. Yeah, well, that, and who, I need Jason to put Taylor, food on my table. pseudonym Tessa Dunlop. We'll get onto your book before we no, go, so that everyone's the last thing, so I everyone gets onto it. That isn't Jason Taylor. That isn't me. I wouldn't have put myself as a man. No, I know, Jay, I, I know, Jason. Woman. Jason's in, Aus in Australia. He's a lovely man. I love um, Jason. But I love but Jason. Don't stop reading those because it's going to put you off. You, I you, love you're, it. You're losing all your arguments because of it. I'm not losing any of them. I'm not losing. I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying. Yeah, Tessa, you are always in the wrong. That's the woman named after my mom. Oh, that's quite sad to that, get, really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always in the wrong. The, the, the thing is, uh, as Piers Morgan says, whenever he throws some googly at me on Harry and Meghan, oh, come in and defend the indefensible. And I'm like, I don't defend them. I think they're flawed. Of course, Harry's spoiled, but he has had this ridiculous upbringing. And I think we have to own He's a product of an institution that we revere, that we give wall-to-wall -wall coverage to. I go on a radio station tonight, part of the establishment, and I'm told, you can't criticize anything tonight regarding the coronation, even though I'm a, a royalist light, even though the polling suggests more than half of us are <clears throat> about the coronation, even though all of that. And, and I'm saying that is a weird, weird system, Andrew. And if it creates weird results like that Harry and Meghan breakaway team, then hey, there's something in that. We need to examine that because that, they are a product of our royal family, whether we like it or not. That's what's created Harry and Meghan, the system that we all fund and we all believe in. I think Hollywood created Meghan. Meghan was nothing until she married and hitched her, hitched her ride to Harry. She was just some pointless girl in suits, which I've still never watched, by yeah. the way. But this is it. Can you at least, can you uh, sort of give a bit with this then? Just, just because I get it. You, you've, you've had to deal with some very shouty, angry men like Piers Morgan, but that's not me. And we're just levelling here. We're on a level. Um, and it is I a like bit you. of a problem. I like Andrew. Yes, there you go. You better like me. So I wish I had a point you that way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. So it is a bit of an issue that she's being held up as this sort of beacon of feminism, when, as you say, she's a Hollywood person who's just hitched a ride through a prince and is now sort of lecturing the rest of us and acting as a victim. That's got to be a little bit problematic. But what? It's weird to me that you think she's lecturing the rest of us. What? what when? When does she lecture us? I, I don't feel I've been lectured by Megan because she sort of says little things on on on. Uh, she she sort of introduces sort of feminist causes or stuff occasionally online and that sort of thing. And then they turn up. Well, but racism. What they, they, won an award, they lectured us about they? racism and unconscious bias. Then, there was a little bit of that. Yeah, I think when they edited mm -hmm. Vogue, there was a little bit of Harry clunking away. I mean, it's always best advisable if you're a white privileged man just to stay away from the race, lecturing others, mansplaining others on race, I think. But um, I think, Megan, I mean, they did win an award, didn't they? The Robert Kennedy Award for kind of their work against racism, which was, which was, I can un underexplored in some respects. Um, but I mean, if I'd been given an award for fighting racism, however spurious, I probably would have gone and claimed it. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I don't think you'd have been moaning yeah. all the time about what a difficult life you have. I mean, I, that's why I know, and I, I'm going in circles. So I don't want to, I don't want to no, bore people listening. No, but that's Andrew, my no, point. no, 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 no. You're not, you're not boring people. I think we just need to be really clear on this. They were criticizing an institution. That's not moaning. We criticize the government all the time. They, 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 were, they were flagging up flaws and, and sometimes unkindly because the institution, bizarrely, is also a family. And that's a contradiction, a paradox within our own country, the way in which it's governed. It's weird. So they were simply flagging up. And yes, it was uncomfortable. Did make me feel a bit peculiar. I didn't like reading all bits of the book. But are you saying we're not allowed to moan or criticize the royal family? Because I'm sorry, they're an institution of state. And therefore, of course, I demand of them and I want from them more transparency. And we don't have it at the moment. We don't understand about their financing. They escape lots of the employment laws. There's legal accusations against King Charles that have disappeared. Prince Andrew's a whole different kettle of fish. You know, I think greater transparency would serve all of us, including the royal family, really well. 
You know what I think it is as well, is I, I subscribe to this idea of like the status game, which is that nobody does anything if not for their own status to an extent, right? I know there are other things at play as well. We have empathy. We do things to do nice things for people. We're charitable, blah, blah, blah. And I know people don't want to believe this, but if you, and there's a great book called The Status Game about this, and we all do it. Uh, almost everything we do is for these reasons. And there's three main types of status, right? One of them is is domination. If you were in a tribe evolutionarily and you dominated that tribe, then you know you, you would get most of the food and shelter. If you were, the other one is um, success. If you invented the wheel, people would be like, oh, have some of the food and the shelter, right? But if you were not successful and you were not dominant, your only way was to be virtuous, right? Which was to sort of uh, show everybody that you're this virtuous, nice person so that they share food and stuff with you as well. The issue with Megan, I think, as you say, like what is the problem with her being ambitious is that she attacks on all three fronts. She's clearly dominant just from the stories coming out of the palace of people working under her who came out crying because she was so aggressive. She's clearly very successful in her Hollywood career and all these things. And it wasn't, and it wasn't enough for her. She had to also go with the virtue thing. And I think that if she had just been successful and and dominant, people would have actually been like, "Oh, fair play." Even if it, even despite the bullying. But I think the the virtue stuff is where it it, it spun out of control. Is this a woman who wanted to have it all? Basically, is what you're trying to say, Andrew. This is a woman who wanted to have it all. And I say that I think I try totally unsuccessfully to do all three as well. Sometimes don't we all a little bit? I mean, you dominate in your interviews. You pretend you don't, but you do. You create, you create your podcasts and stuff, and you do some virtue signaling. I've seen it I on don't social virtue media. Signal. You've, you virtue signal about not virtue signaling, which, by the way, is full circle virtue signaling. So I've got you there by the ghoulies. I was, I mean, I like to dominate. I go into a lot of male arenas like Piers Morgan, and I get really fed up being the bridesmaid. And people go, why do you shout? I don't shout on Kate Burley's show. I don't shout when people don't shout at me. I don't shout at Jeremy Vine. I don't shout at people who don't shout. And, yeah. um, I, don't shout and I feel, um, I don't really shout at you, no. Sometimes, but everyone to. everyone ends up shouting at Piers Morgan. But 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 for some reason, I've you know I'm I'm, I'm and I do get triggered by it because you you would, you're often outnumbered. They're predominantly right of centre, and they're men, and they do shout louder. And, and socially, it's more acceptable if you're a man to be able to shout. So, yeah. but it's made me realise I would like to have a show. I don't always want to have to be shut up by them. I was told off by Piers in tonight's show because I asked mm. the guest questions, and he said it was his show. So, I mean. You know, these are just these are just part and parcel. This is just part and parcel of being a woman in the media yeah. landscape. Did you say that on camera? And I don't. No, I don't mind. Oh, maybe you did say it on camera. I can't remember. I forget what's on camera and what's off camera sometimes. To be honest, my whole <laughs> life feels like it's virtual reality. But but um, that's why I don't have such a problem with Megan because I think it is different being a woman, and I can't imagine what it's like being a, a foreign woman, a woman who doesn't come from Britain, where it all just seems also a bit kind of crazy weird. And uh, I, and maybe she's, you know, sometimes we read stuff, sometimes I think, oh, he's done that to me because I'm a woman. Or this week, oh, they just shut that door on my face because I'm on crutches. And sometimes we do put two and two together and make five. And I think they have done that a bit. But, but I still think she's forced us to look at our institution head of our state differently. And she's forced on us some uncomfortable conversations about ourselves. Yeah. As well, I th I think I think you're probably spot on about a lot of the stuff. You know, being a woman, and trying to particularly in your you know generation, um, it was it was even more difficult all those decades um, yeah. ago. Well, I've got, I'm on an NDA. I'm on an NDA, a non dis non disclosure That's agreement for suing a guy, for suing a That's pest. True. Yeah. So, uh, jokes it, aside, I like to make digs and jokes at you, but you're you're right, and that is that is difficult. It, it's possible then that. Because of that, it's created a, a, a sort of a bias, which would be understandable, that has made it more difficult to see. Meg, you know, Megan might not be like you. She might be horrible. I think the, the, where we've got to in the dialogue is they're either goodies or baddies. And I think that's really unfortunate. I, I think mm. that, that there is always grey. I know that I'm deeply flawed. I go to bed every night going, oh, God, that was not well cast today, Tess. You know, I'm sure you do the same. And I'm sure most people listening do the same. Yeah. You know, we're About all a mix. We're, we're <laughs> oh, they troll me. I get so trolled, honestly. But I know, um, so do I. So do I got I got like a hundred on Twitter today. Or oh, loads of stuff, you know. You, I get so really dark stuff, Andrew. Yes, yeah. I get yeah, really same, dark same. stuff. Like people is like as I, I met my husband. The first time I met him as a human being, he was twelve. We fell in yeah. love when he was eighteen. Do you know? Like I didn't see him for six years. And I am constantly called appalling names. Like you wouldn't know, you wouldn't believe it. I have to would, delete yeah. them because it's it gets to you. It gets under eventually it gets to you, man. It's like, oh, get out of my inbox. 
Yeah, you but know, there's horrible it, people it, out there. And I, I would actually reiterate, you know, everybody watching and all this stuff, you, you're welcome to disagree with Tess. And look, 99% of you either agree or disagree and you do it very really? pleasantly. Some people get personal. And I, I don't think that's ever necessary. You know, what, it just ruins the argument immediately. I'll just say that. But, but, but it, it does. But it, do you know when the trolling started for me? It started after I uh, did Royal Commentary when I was promoting this exceptionally good book, Elizabeth and Philip. That's when the trolling started for me. And that made me realize just how dark it is, the narrative around our royal players, whether part of the institution of state, the royal family, or in the Harry and Meghan, the Sussex camp. And that's why I think she got spooked or went, you know, because it, it, I've got reasonable self-esteem, so have you, but maybe they don't, maybe they don't, they're not born with, you know, they didn't have the mm. climate growing up that we did, the stability we had growing up maybe. And, oh. and, it, and, it's, and it gets to you. Look at that. I get Tessa. Yeah. She's funny. She's playing the part of the opposite side of the Vox Pop very well. But gets you, thinks but, you're funny. Did you just likes put you. out? It's the only one nice one you found and you flicked it up. Did you do that no, on purpose, Andrew? Did no, you scroll no. down one of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it just, I just happened to see it. I just happened to see it. I'm just saying there's nice, you know, there you are. Rita's uh, up there going, Tessa seems nice, but I don't always agree with her. That's fair enough. That's fine. Well, That's there you fine. Go. Yeah, it's fine. Like you. It's all fine. Um, speaking of people just, you know, throwing out horrible words at people, right? This is what has been reported then. You probably haven't seen mm -hmm. it because you've been so busy on this, going on all, the, all these mm -hmm. big named shows. But columnist, columnist, Cara Kennedy, who I spoke about before on The Spectator, said that she has an inside source who says that the Queen called Meghan a catastrophe and evil. And apparently that was such a shock that all the eyebrows in the room hit the ceiling because she doesn't usually talk about people or didn't usually talk about people in that way. What do you think of that? If the Queen said that in private, you know, the one person who's always got away scot-free from any criticism, especially in her latter years, was the Queen. And when writing... Only, only, only the latter years. But even before then, she was quite well protected. You'd be amazed. You know, all she had to do was nod at um, Diana's coffin as it went past, and she was the nation's favorite granny again. Um, we, we love to love the Queen, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was like porridge and honey. You know, it was something warm and comforting. If you drill into her narrative with Philip, and if you drill into that family story, Harry's right. Charles had a super challenging upbringing as a child. He didn't really see his mother. She was the institution first. That was the first thing she was. She was monarch, mm. and then she was mother. She didn't even ever hug Harry. So while at the same time, get the paradox there, she's the nation's favorite grandmother, Andrew, but she never hugged her grandson. So forgive me, but there's a gap there between perception and reality. And yeah. I think the one person who, who, who never got criticized was the queen. We thrash around, is it William or is it Harry or is it Meghan or is it... And if the queen said Meghan was this, it must be right. Like somehow the queen, she's protected in aspect. We, she's, and I totally understand why we do that. But we also have to remember the queen was human. The Queen was as flawed as you or I was, possibly more so in some ways, because she had that very distorting position, which she occupied from a very young age. And criticism, she said herself, yeah. she said no, herself, that it was very hard to hear what people were thinking. Because by the time it reached her, and it had gone through all those obsequious men, obse obsequious men in suits, that's why she loved Philip so much. Because he was the one person that didn't bow and scrape. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. We've had a great back and forth here, and I think the main the main takeaway is what we're going to we're going to see on Monday is the coronation, Andrew, and we're going to see whether uh, Megan starts putting not stuff Monday, out. I'm not, not there Monday. yet. Don't worry. The coronation, I'm not gonna sign off the coronation is Monday. It's tomorrow, Saturday. I wasn't going to. It's Saturday coronation. It's tomorrow. Is it, Andrew? Why do I think it's Monday? Because of the bank holiday. Yeah, to Monday is when you're meant to be doing some volunteering and doing something for other people. So basically, you know, you know, but you know, you said that there are three models for power. One is domination. The other is creativity. The other is virtuosity. Well, Saturday, we've got domination. The crown goes on his head. Sunday, we have creation. The Windsor Park, you know, pop stars, only Lionel Richie and one other, oh, Katy Perry, there's a few others, that creation. And then on the third day, virtuosity, we all have to help out. It's the big volunteering day. There you are, all three. Charles is allowed to inhabit all three, but Megan isn't. I rest my case. <laughs>
That's great. Isn't that great? That's great. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you've you've proved that Charles might be just as awful as Megan, but you haven't proved yeah, that Megan isn't awful. That's true. But fair, fair enough. I was sure that it was Monday. No. Gosh, I was gonna, and this is I was gonna put this out on the audio podcast Sunday. I still I still think I will, and people can will hear it in retrospect, and we'll see. They'll already know if they're it, gonna. It put might have escaped your notes, Andrew. We haven't really what? talked about the coronation once in this entire conversation. Yeah, so it'll be fine. We've just gone about Megan, haven't we? We've just gone. We've just done a whole Megan thing. So I think it's going to be okay, whatever. Because people like to hear about her for how Isn't long? Really? We don't does know. She, Tessa, did, have you got a book out? Have does, I, I? Does Megan I, still what? do as well for you? Does Megan still do as well for you? It, okay. I, I'm about to find out because I haven't done any Megan related. Can I say in my new forward, weeks. I quote Prince Harry's book. Spare just so I quote right. from it the best bit of it, so you don't have to buy the book. Because that was the bit that really, really interested me, where he admits yeah. it's all about Elizabeth and Philip and to what extent Philip was a loyal husband. Um, but that's a different story. Um, um, so, but Harry's really, really interesting. He admits in the book two, two, two words he uses about the Queen. He said he's sometimes afraid of her and he often felt nervous in front of her. Or he always felt nervous. I can't remember. I need to read it. Nervous and afraid about his grandmother. And you're telling me that's a normal. I am a monarchist, but it it's, it was a strange. It's a strange old place to inhabit, and probably was even more strange with a very very old queen at the top when Meghan came in. Really, people just tiptoeing around. You know, the old system teetering on the brink. I think we can't underestimate that, and also the nature of the British establishment. You go against them, they close ranks. I'm telling you that as somebody who's sued a who's. They close ranks and it's, yeah. And people do funny things when they're on the outside. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. And Harry and Meghan have done some funny things. Why should people buy your, your book? What's it about? It's very easy to, I write, I write well. I'm told I write well, actually. And I just was on Times Radio with the Times Literary Editor. And I said, why didn't you review my book? So, and he did look at the ground, actually. He'll review the next one, I think you'll find. Um, it's about, I went and talked to all my old women, mainly old, who are all 100, um, and um, talked to them about the Queen, growing up alongside the Queen. I wanted to get a take on, you know, virginity, the night before the wedding, you know, the, the kind of the importance of their marriage held up as the ideal marriage. Again, to what extent was that legitimate? Britain needed something to hang on to, the idea of the nuclear family, the idea of morality post-war. So they were put up there as a poster, and it wasn't allowed to crack, that image. Doesn't matter what went on behind closed doors. We had to believe in Elizabeth and Philip and the marriage. It was projected globally and across the empire as the way to be, the way to behave. Two children came. Then there was a 10-year pause. And then two more children came. Um, but but I, I was very interested in looking at those two institutions, marriage and monarchy, and how one supported the other. Marriage came before, underneath rather, monarchy. That was the order. It was love. She did love him. She did love him. And incidentally, she, she met him when she was 13. She met him when she was 13. I, I, there were some parallels in our relationship. She was in love with him. But I think actually she was in love with him from, as a teenager right, right the way through. And, and I think he was a difficult, really difficult man to be married to, but she fancied him. And there's not that many aristocrats who were good looking. And he was one of them. A prince, did, actually, no less. Did you give away some sort of secret gossip and stuff gossip. in there? Yeah, I do. Even Hugo Vickers, royal biographer, said, you could find some good sources. Do you want to see how fit? There's Philip <laughs> with his torso out. And she always, oh, yeah. we always go on about oh, their lovely yeah. time they had in Malta. She was hardly ever in Malta. She was back in Britain being um, Princess Royal um, or the Crown Princess. And, um, but she went every Christmas to Malta when he was serving in Malta before she ascended the throne. And she left Charles and Anne behind in Sandringham when they were like two, three, four. She went off to be with Philip. Now, uh, uh, you can read into that what you will. But what, all I'm saying is Charles had a very unusual upbringing. And their marriage wasn't hugely conventional for the time. It wasn't. And that doesn't mean, by the way, I'm not a fan of the Queen. I like someone who sticks to the business and I like someone who has a clear goal in life. And she had both those things. And also the marriage ultimately worked for them. Well, look, you're a historian and you're supposed to look at both sides of all these things. And I think people will understand that. And I, I would say that even whether you disagree or agree with Tessa about Megan and those kinds of things, do get hold of her book because it's in the description. There's a link to it. She is a fantastic writer because I've edited a lot of it myself some of these times over the years. Yeah, uh, uh, not really, but I've had a look. I've had uh, a look. Andrew, we're all waiting for your book, by the way. We are waiting and waiting. We are so busy podcasting. You're so busy being the Megan. 
finding a different Harry every week to spin. <laughs> oh, has that Harry gone viral? Yeah. Has that Harry gone viral? Yeah. Have you afforded one step of your new staircase yet, Andrew? I love you. I'm very fond of Andrew, by the way. I'm a big fan of you. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, be you yeah. better be. My, my book's going to be out next, oh. early next year, I think. It's t they're giving me like a two-year date. I guess because it was my first book, they're, they're giving me I'll a lot of time to get it done. It's a scary I'll be tweeting um, and, and, and I'll be buying well, a book. Do. Be, do you know, a royal historian. Yeah. The other day he's got a book coming out called, I won't say what it's called, but he kept on texting me and emailing me when he knew I broke my ankle. Could you, um, could you send me a PDF of your book? I just thought, I want to quote a bit in my book. I just thought, can't you buy it on Kindle? Like, what is that about writers supporting writers? Are we just all incapable of ever supporting each other? I sent him it in the end. Well, there's two ways, there's two ways of supporting writers, though, because you're supporting the writer who just wrote the book by buying it, but you're also supporting the writer who's writing their book and has to get he's, loads of books to buy just so they can write their own He's got an academic post, so he also has a salary. But anyway, cheers to that and his book and your book and everyone listening, by the way. I, I don't, you can slag me off. You know, cheers I can take it, books. bring it on, bring it on. It's, it's a free no. world. It's a free world. But all I would say about posting hate is... How would you feel if you got that hate? That, that's all I would say. It's fine. And I don't always feel it. You know, it depends. Remember the human. And, and that's including Harry and Meghan. We all have to curate what we say. And, and Charles, I must be kinder about Charles. Dear Charles, and tonight, will you include the new king in your prayers? Everyone, all my old women before the coronation prayed for the new queen. They did. Thank you, Dr. Tessa Dunlop. I think we had a bit of a back and forth there. Those of you uh, wondering if she might have been drunk, I think she might have been. Well, she was sipping on uh, Prosecco while we spoke. She's uh, a real character, so I hope that was uh, at least enjoyable for you, or, or at least bearable. I hope most of these episodes are, are bearable for you. Uh, do follow her on, on Twitter, on te Tessa Dunlop, and get hold of her book, Elizabeth and Philip, A Story of Young Love, Marriage and Monarchy. As I say, some big episodes are coming up. It is going to become more varied in the coming weeks. Thanks for sticking with this podcast all these years. We're going to keep going. Why wouldn't we? Have a lovely weekend, week, day, whatever it is, wherever you are.